This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. This is the podcast where we deal with fears. Uh, And Shag, it's a horror film podcast. One half of us is you. You love your horror films and you tell me about the horror films. I don't love watching horror films, but I'm coming to understand the genre. Uh, And as part of this journey, we're over 200 episodes in... Um, we're coming to learn a little bit about podcasting, right? It's uh, That's sort of part of the journey and a bit of imposter syndrome comes with it. And something I've been trying to address in probably the last 8 or 10 or 12 episodes is the idea that we are such an if-you-know-you-know you know podcast that if someone was like, hey, listen to this podcast, here's some friendship homework for you, that you'd start listening to it and be like, what the fuck is this? Some (laughs) lawyer whinging about an IP dispute in his phone. (laughs) What does this have to do with anything? It's a strange intersection of hardcore law talk, Mm. gently anti-capitalist, eat the rich sort of talk, a lot of rap, like a lot of rap, and then halfway through, we drop a Wikipedia synopsis of a horror yeah, film. Yeah, it's like okay, we've done all our, uh, we've done all our rap and our anti-capitalism. Let's uh, let's let's get into a bit of horror films. But I, I thought there'd be value in just kind of zooming out to to kind of see where we found ourselves. As I've said to you in the past, I confronted my fears about early episodes being shit and listened to some of them, and turned out they were fucking awesome. So anyone who's scared <laughs> to go back and listen to them, don't worry about it. We shouldn't have been worried. They were great. Um, and the recent ones are even better. So, like, what's up? Other podcasts, come find us. Looking forward to it. It is true. Um, I don't mean to throw shade at yeah. most podcasts, but every time I, like, because I don't, I just don't have time to listen to podcasts. Like, I have time to do my job, be with my family, mm. DJ, make and edit this podcast and that's kind of yep. that that's my like two-thirds of my life that i'm awake filled right yep but every time somebody's playing another podcast or i listen to another podcast i'm kind of like oh like is this all podcasts are? Oh, <laughs> we're doing pretty good fucking come at me come find me <laughs> look it is always a good time like you know it's the end of the year we take well mm. i mean the magic of podcasting you could be listening to this at any point in time Absolutely. society could have crumbled by the point you're listening to this. It's a heat wave. It feels apocalyptic outside, Shag. It feels like the end of the end of days, surely. You know, it's the end of the year. We're taking stock, and it's good to take stock of this podcast. And mm. I want to linger on that sort of anti-capitalist, eat the rich yes. angle we have on this pod. And I guess mm. the angle we always take is the fact that, like, we are definitely part of the problem. Yes. Even just existing in Australia where... We're so lucky to be here, Mm. to have been born here rather than other places. You know, other places at the moment where entire entire districts are getting destroyed. Yep. And and as we say before, people are losing their entire families just because they were born in a specific place, right? Like, Mm. we are so, so lucky. And one of the things I did want to say is 
we always talked about how the fact that like we never want to like I don't know like I I I think we we like the purity of this podcast, but I also think deeply we're both incredibly insecure. So I think when we were like we're never going to make money from this podcast, part of it was like we believe in just making this for the hell of it, but yes. also part of it and was part like of it was saying you can't have failed. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> we can't. You can't prove we suck if. We never tried, right? Like that's that's part of it. But we really did. Yeah, absolutely. There was a mission to never make money from this particular podcast. Mm. And we've got the cash in podcast coming up. Can't wait for that one. That's going to be where we feather our beds, <laughs> feather our nests. But this year, you know, we dipped our toes into the merch pool. We got our mm. friend Alex to design the Feel Bad Club logo that we yes. put on some merch. We had some suggestions about how, you know, what colors, but turns out all of our suggestions were wrong because all the different colors that people chose look fucking amazing. Yeah, rainbow, probably number one. They look they look so good, right? But one mm. of the things that came with that is not a lot, but we got like a little bit of a cut from the sales of all of those things. Oh, did we? We did. And so, Pete, we've already talked about what's happening here. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry, we'll talk about text. <laughs> no, I don't internalize text. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we've decided to do is, yes. apropos of what we've just been speaking about, yep. all the money that we make, and it's not a lot, but the money we do make from the Feel Bad Club merch, which we won't have on sale forever, but we will have mm. on sale probably till Jan next year. Yeah, uh, you can get it at tpublic.com. The... You know, we're going to split it three ways, right? One way we're going to send to Doctors Without Borders feels like they do a good job for people in places like we mentioned and feels like just some tiny thing we can do with our privilege right now. Shag, how would you pronounce the name of that organization if I was to really press you? Uh, I'm pretty sure I, I, no, I'm pretty sure I can get it right. Yes. Okay. I'll have an attempt after you. We'll see how close we get. My French accent is awful. And I think I've told you the story about. That one time I went to Paris and I just thought that the way to speak French was just to put le in front of every word, in front of every word, and then say it in a French accent. And so we went to French Disneyland and I got to the front of this roller coaster queue. And you know how the best place to sit on a roller coaster is at the front or the back? Yeah. And so the attendant there who spoke French mm. was motioning for me to join the middle of this roller coaster. And I was like, oh, uh, uh, le front. <laughs> and he was like he then looked at me like blank faced and was like do you want to sit at the front sir and meekly i said yes so look that's that's the extent of my french but i think it is i think we're allowed to be mean about french because we're not punching down right i think we're an inferior nation to france and so that means we're allowed to have a go i don't know if that's a get out of jail free card but um shag i have a similar experience singing a lullaby so i'm in charge of singing two two nights a week golden child uh, who you're a godparent of, has set up a roster of singing. That is and so adorable. It is me for two nights. It is my co-parent, Alice, for two nights. Uh, it is the meditation app, Calm, for two nights. Um, and then it's a kind of lucky dip for <laughs> Sunday night. Dealer's choice. And Dealer's choice, as you say. And um, the current favourite song is called Je Te Na, which is just... Me attempting to remember the tune of that, you know, that sort of really over overwrought song "La Vie en Rose" or whatever it is, uh, and just doing French French words to it. So it's just like "Le Jour de Votona, le Grand Le Sang Monsa, le Tujotum, le Tujante Monte," and just making up French bullshit. And 
you know, Golden Child's doing well in French at school, so it must be maybe doing the French accent in a silly way, Shag, is indeed close to speaking French. So I, I think it's medi- Medicine Sans yes. Frontier. I was going to do Medicine Sans Frontier. Like I, I was going to really hit that R. You know how they hit the R in the back of your throat? Sans Frontier. Uh, yeah. Frontier. I think it's something like that. Anyway, so that's a third. Oui. The second third... Goes <laughs> the second. Th- <laughs> just, a, just a classic poitch. Uh, the yeah. second third. Fuck! What an impenetrable podcast we are. I'm, yeah. Oh, we just said that, didn't we? <laughs> to everyone who's like parasocially friends with us, what's up? To everyone who's this is the first episode you're listening to. I swear it gets better. I swear there's there's gateway episodes no, that I'm make more sense. I'm like, look, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm really down. I'm like, I'm I'm down to close the doors. I'm down to cut ties. Let's do it. All right, the second organization... If they ain't gang, we'll burn them bridges, Shaq. The second organization we are donating a third of our merch profits to is because, you know, obviously we're both really bummed with Australia's voice decision in which a majority of Australians were like, no, like the First Nations people shouldn't get recognition in our constitution or a Mm -hmm. say in parliament, which is pretty fucked. So there's a really good organization near where I work, the Redfern Legal Center, which essentially Mm -hmm. just uh, supports First Nations people with legal issues. It's a very small grassroots organization. It does good stuff. That's that's the second third. And the final third, because this podcast wouldn't exist without it, is we just want to donate to Wikipedia. Yes. I think we kind of have to pay our dues. I think we do. Can I add a gloss to that Mm -hmm. and say... That is not profits that are going there. So it's not as if we're like, oh, the administration fee and no. like, oh, peach and shag management fee. It's the revenue. Yeah. Every single cent that comes into our control uh, as a result of a t shirt being made goes to one, to, like goes in thirds to those locations. So we're not, we're not taking anything out of that. Like Alex, Alex, Alex Vito, the designer, donated his designs as well. Um, so there is no step in between the purchase of a shirt and the money coming to our account and it going out to those destinations. So it's not the profits, it's the revenue. Every cent that comes in goes out FYI. To, to one of those three destinations. I'm even waiving my legal, my normal exorbitant <laughs> fees. Shag, you're waiving your fees as well. As a marketing uh, consultant, yeah. We probably should have spoken about whether any of it should have gone to FBI radio in hindsight, but I, I suppose I already donated to FBI. I'm a passionate supporter. If you do, if you are like, if you ever want to financially support Spooko, you can do that by yes. becoming an FBI supporter. Hit fbiradio.com.au or a client of Graverman. That'd be cool. As well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 I, I think I think one of the reasons why this is in my mind mm. is. Because today's film is another piece of friendship homework from yes. Feel Bad Club, where I was like, what are the films from 2023 we haven't covered, which we need to? I think this probably was the one with the most call-outs. Everyone was like, you need to do this film. I was pretty excited to see it, even though I was a little bit hesitant, because it is that horror movie nepotism where every great horror writer or director, for some reason their kids also become a horror writer or director. Whose son is it this time, Shag? Is, well, it, is it John Carpenter's son? No, it's David Cronenberg's son again. It's Brandon Cronenberg. Okay. And I, I actually think he smashed it out of the park. This is one of those films where I was excited when I saw the reviews because the reviews were either this film's amazing or this film is garbage. And for some yes. reason, whenever that happens, I'm usually the former. 
and I'm, it, it usually means it's a film that's really going to appeal to me because they've taken some big swings. This film takes some massive swings, uh, especially at richard privileged people. So today, yes. Peach, uh, we are doing the 2023 science fiction horror film directed by... Uh, by Jackson Cronenberg. <laughs> by Brandon Cronenberg. Brandon. <laughs> called Infinity Pool. Shag, have we done this before? We haven't done this before. Yeah, we have. I think every other horror podcast has done this before. We haven't oh, done do this Oh, do I before. know this from, from Too Scary to Watch? I think you do. Okay. Whew. It does sound pretty good. Why don't I watch the Why don't I watch the trailer and stop talking about it? What do you reckon? Or just listen to the Too Scary Didn't Watch episode. Just give yourself an hour and a half, come back, and we'll we'll do this synopsis. I don't understand why we're doing this. We barely know these people. It's one day. Let's mix things up a bit. Hi! You're just happy you found your fan club. I've been waiting six years for your second book. Is it coming out soon? I'm working on it. What do you do for money then? You married Rich. Well, <laughs> I actually came here looking for inspiration. Mr. James Foster, you have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. But for a significant sum, we'll build a double to send in for your execution. Think of it as a gift. It's like a new skin working into place. So you need to complete your transformation. This is just a little game. But I can take some blood. Show me how strong you are. It's really disgusting. You could just sit there. You know, James, do you worry they got the wrong man? Uh, that makes me feel really bad, Shag, even though I think I know the plot. Uh, uh. I really tried uh. so hard to avoid successfully to avoid spoilers going into this film i really wanted it to be a surprise and it was such a pleasantly feel bad surprise like this film like, i think i know the plot and even watching that trailer i'm like oh i feel so bad well look this oh. is this is proper feel bad club but i think it's especially feel bad because here's here's some interesting stats for you we have been downloaded by people in 125 different countries. Yes. A lot of those countries have just had one download. So so it's not like... <laughs> people on holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, the main, <laughs> the, main, uh, the main downloads come from where you would expect. You know, it's America number one. I think UK number two, Australia yeah. number three. Netherlands and Hong Kong are right up there as well in the top ten. What up? But, what up to my Netherlands heads? But we've had people all over the world download this pod and mm. i used to think that social media and the internet was probably like a net negative in how it's polarized people and spread misinformation but what it's done recently i think and what i think it's done 
gradually without even noticing yes. is open people, especially the younger generation's eyes, to just the insane unfair inequality in the world. Yes. Right? And there's a really good song from last year from a band called Chat Pile called Why. It's a really heavy, heavy metal song. And the singer kind of screams, shouts. He doesn't even like, he doesn't rhyme. It's just, he just has a bunch of phrases where he's basically like, why do people have to be homeless? Why? There are people, you know, we have buildings and empty buildings with heat and air conditioning, and there are people that we make live outside. Why? Why do, why do we have to do that? And I think the internet does that at a global level. You're like, why, why do some people have it so easy? And I think more and more, you and me, and I think one of the reasons why we talk about our heads on poles and stuff, it's like more and more we're like, <clears throat> it feels pretty unfair, yeah. the lives we have, really. Yes. And so the only way to make sense of it is to be a hyper-privileged son of a very well-paid director and to kind of <laughs> skewer. <laughs> well, like, you know, I think there's something to that. There is like, something to that, right? Like you're kind of like, oh, well, this is a story that makes sense to me of like, yeah, I'm kind of fucking part of the problem. Yeah, like, like that, that resonates with me. I get that. And I, think, and I think where this film might feel extra bad is if you recognise yourself. You know, you don't necessarily rec- recognise yourself in the antagonist but you recognize yourself in the situation. In this case, some mm. pretty wealthy people going to an island nation to a resort where essentially you're told, just stay on the resort grounds because it's not super safe to leave the resort grounds. Oh, God. Which is like... This feels like it's like, go to Bali and people expect you to haggle. Like, <laughs> yeah, just go there. It's sort of a game. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, like if they want you to pay $8 for something, haggling down to like $3. Sucked into them. They they want you to pay less for things. That's part of it. That's all part of it. That's part of what, you fucking pig. All right. Anyway. All right. But, but yeah, so, and I think think this film talks about it in a way. You're right. Like, hyper-privileged. There's no way he could be directing the films he's directing if his dad wasn't who his dad was. Absolutely right. But using that to sort of really question it and not in a very, like, this is the problem and this is the solution, but just a general queasy textural feel bad way feels like a really cool way to use that privilege. If he can do that in a sophisticated way, then I'm really going to applaud this. Like, like, I try to check my privilege when people are like, Pete, you, you know, I get interviewed on a lot of podcasts, a lot of legal stuff. I'm like, so what's your background? And I'm like, hey, my dad was a lawyer. His dad was a lawyer. His dad was a lawyer. Like, and everyone's like, oh, Peach, brilliant. You checked your privilege. Peach, you're a hero. And I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> it's probably better that I said this than I didn't. So, like, I'm happy to accept a sort of limited compliment. <laughs> But it's like, you know, the, the dad who cooks dinner on the barbecue once per year and everyone's like, oh, classic. Can't believe you cooked dinner and helped clean up. What a, like, what a legend. It's like, it's literally the least you can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, like uh, as someone who is hugely applauded for doing literally the least I can do, I'm hoping that um, little Branson Cronenberg can, uh, can, can, can take a step past the kind of peach, the very low bar that I managed to meet from time to time. Well, the other, the, other, the other positive about this film is that Mia Goth mm. from Pearl is the main character in this. She's amazing. Nice. The other main character is Alexander Skarsgård, of course, another Nepo, Hollywood Nepo baby. But he is really good. Like, he's really good in this, and he's good in most films, and he really gives it his all. So 
not not quite a like you like you're okay you're okay Alex ne- like nepotism like it's so tough because like there is that element of like yeah well they probably are pretty good because they've been mentored and supported by someone who does that job and have watched someone do that job at a high level forever like anyway there was an interview recently where somebody was like I hate the term nepo baby because I think it might have been Gwyneth Paltrow where it's like what's wrong with someone joining the family business? Like, you know, if my father was a doctor and then I became a doctor, no one would comment. And it's like, yeah, but the family business... Yeah, they would. Like, what the fuck? Like, you can't even make that example. (laughs) It's like, my family (laughs) business is, I'm really rich. And just get lots of opportunities. And so that's just the family, that's my family business. So it hurts my feelings for you to say that. So just stop (laughs) saying it. Like, why why is it wrong to say that? (laughs) It devalues all the blood, sweat and tears I put in. It's like... No, like it doesn't actually devalue the blood, sweat and tears. It just says that you put those in having had the biggest head start of all time. Not to get super meta, but my favourite part of Mm. this podcast is how Mm. we always kind of predict what sort of an episode it will be in our preamble without thinking. So we kind of mentioned that this might be an impenetrable podcast where we don't necessarily talk about horror films for a while. And even when we do... It's part of a broader conversation. And that's exactly what's happened. Mm. All right. So this is Infinity for Pool from 2023. I also think, okay, number one, the, the name of this film is great, but I also think Infinity Pool as a useless object that people don't really need that mm. has become a symbol of wealth, I think is, or at least of a wealthy hotel or a wealthy place to yes. stay, I think is a great title for a film like this. Like just, 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 just because my head's ending up on a spike, like we're in the process of renovating our pool of like removing the existing one and building a new one. And you have the infinity pool salty of like, it's amazing. The water goes over the edge and into a different bit. <laughs> and it's like, okay, like why, like, you know, I'm like, all right. Um, why is that? A, like, like, why is that good? It's like, it's sick. It goes right over the edge. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's, it's so meaningless, but it became a point where everyone's yeah. like, oh, fuck it. Like imagine not having an infinity pool. I refuse to not have an infinity pool. <laughs> all right. Okay. So anyway, infinity pool from 2023. Begins with novelist mm. James Foster, played by Alexander Skarsgård, and his wife M, spend mm. time at a resort in the fictional seaside country of Lee Tolka. And it's interesting what they've done here. They've made this this country somewhere, but like they've 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 used elements from like Southeast Asia, from Central America, but also from Eastern Europe. So you can't you can't be yeah, like I get a bit of like a Croatia Greek islandy kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, and they they do quite well in you know creating a new script, like a new sort of language that yeah, nice. that doesn't look like anything else. It's they do a really good job of being like this could be anywhere because we're not trying to demonize. Like I guess the Lee Tolkien yeah, people nice. have a point to play in this film, and so I think what Brandon's trying to do is it's like I'm not demonizing the other here. What I'm trying to do yes. is create a world for the hyperprivileged to exist in, which I think is really clever. That's really sophisticated to even recognise that challenge and then to meet it. I, I like Shag, I'm pretty optimistic about this being pretty good. Now, they're, they're holidaying there where a local festival is underway that uses those, like, scary fleshy masks that you see in the trailer. Uh, if you're wondering how really they good. come into it, they're part of the leak talk. Like, it's a bit of a sleight of hand. It's a bit of a red herring to be like, there's going to be heaps of creepy body horror. And there is to an extent, but they're just masks. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, I like that. So the, this is this is hitting the deer on the way to get exactly, out. You know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The couple's chronic marital strife is exacerbated when Gabby, who is played by Mia Goth, a fan of the only novel James has published, invites them to spend time with her and her husband Alban. Now, there's a there's an interesting dynamic between James and his wife Anne, in that James wrote one novel six years ago. His wife M's dad runs a really successful publishing house, and he didn't like that M married James because he was like, "I never want you to marry an author," and she has. And he's clearly, I mean, he's not. He doesn't work. My understanding of the book industry is, at most, you're going to get a low five-figure like advance for your book which is not going to carry yeah. you for six years. And that's an advance only, yeah, right? Yeah. That gets repaid from sales. Oh, yeah, you can't. You have to pay some of that yeah. back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <clears throat> or no, yeah, you don't get it until it's the money's been made back. Otherwise, you have to pay it back. Yeah. Mm. So clearly, mm. M's kind of like supporting him. And there's this idea that he's having a bit of writer's block or he has had a writer's block for a while, and maybe this holiday might unlock it a little bit. And then they meet Gabby and her husband. M's a bit like, I don't know, but James obviously is really intrigued because Gabby's like, I love your book. I can't wait for you to write another one. And obviously that speaks to his ego a little bit. The four have dinner. I, like, Shag, if people were like, Peach and Shag come around, I love Spooker, I would almost be like, that's all right. Like, I've got to, like, I, I, you know, who you'd never met, you know, like, I don't know. My, my crippling inferiority complex is like, if someone goes, I like if someone's even like, oh yeah, I really like your podcast, I immediately assume yep. they're paying me out somehow. I immediately think it's a joke. <laughs> and like they're they're like, Oh yeah, we love your podcast. So I'm always like, oh, oh, oh okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> obviously, when people are complimentary on our own channels, I kind of like like obvi- like I feel like my guard is down. Mm. But in the real world, I'm with you. I'm a bit like, oh, let's not talk about anything I've ever done. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I'm the exact same. I'm the exact same. Yeah, I'm huge. Like, mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. Cool, cool. Appreciate it. <laughs> so the four have dinner. And the next day, Gabby and Alban are like, look, I know they say we can't leave the hotel, but I know someone who's going to rent us a car. We'll drive out. We'll go to this amazing beach. It'll be amazing. Em's a little yes. bit hesitant. She's like, we've just met these people. But obviously James, with his ego appeal to, is like, no, let's go. At a beach, as James urinates behind a tree, Gabby unexpectedly grabs him from behind and gives him a hand job. This is obviously the, the words of Wikipedia, but it kind of happens. And in a very sort of forceful, weird, uh, detached way, it sort of comes out okay. of nowhere while they're all like super drunk. After a long day of sunbathing and cooking... Is there a question of identity confusion or we're certain? No, 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 no. She did that on purpose. He's just passively accepting it. He's not like getting into it, but he's like, he's not stopping it either. Mm. After a long day of sunbathing and cooking, and what I think they're eating is something like, it's something, it's like elk sausages. It's some exotic, does that sound really yum? Yeah, that sounds Okay, yeah, it's some sort of exotic sausage that they're cooking on like a portable grill. But it would be tough to have enough fat content in there. I feel like that's the hardest part of making sausages. Is that why Germans often put, like, cheese in their sausages so there's, like, a bit of fat? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I feel like we've, we've watched, maybe you and I have watched a cooking competition recently where it's like, oh, don't cook sausages. Sausages, sausages are the hardest. Oh, no, it's like a, the, the great barbecue showdown <laughs> or whatever. It's like, oh, sausages. <laughs> Look out, someone's doing it. And you have to have a really high fat content for it to work. And elk is like a... 
renowned lean meat and so you'd probably have to go get some pork fat or something no that'd be pretty yum though anyway so i also don't know if this translate but you know in australia sausage means a tubular encased meat like a hot dog like a whatever right like that's what we mean when we say sausages because in america you have a breakfast sausage that's sort of like what you and i would think of as a hamburger patty like a beef patty so that's what we're talking about yeah it's it's a tube not a disc if that helps. Mm. Anyway, so... It's the Getting Sidetracked podcast. <laughs> Sidetracker. Welcome. Welcome to Sidetracko. All right. After a long day of sunbathing and cooking, <clears throat> the tourists drunkenly drive back to their hotel. En route, James is driving because the rest are like, we can't drive, we're too drunk. And James is super drunk. James accidentally hits and kills a local man. They go out to check. They're like, we should call the cops. And this is like... I feel like this is one of those moments where it's like I have heard peers and people in my circles talk about traveling to places in this way where they're like, you can't call the cops here. They're all corrupt. You don't know what's going to happen to you in jail when you call them. Right. And it's, it's that fear. Mm, okay. It's that, it's that privileged fear that people have when they, when they travel to places that are developing or even third world. So Gabby's oh, like, God. we can't call the police. We just got to head home. Now they can't, drive home they have to walk home because the car's ruined so they just walk they get to the gates the people at the gates are like you're not supposed to be out there they're like i know we're sorry but we just got lost can you let us back in and of course they're let back in they all go to bed uh like a little like just james and m especially a bit drunk and a bit weirded out they wake up to a knock on the door there's police and james and m arrested and told that the penalty for his crime is death at the hand of his victim's firstborn son. They're like, this is how we do it here. You kill someone, even if it's an accident, their firstborn can kill you, and then it's an eye for an eye. Yeah, okay. However, the country has a unique system of justice whereby the guilty, for a hefty fee, can be cloned and have their duplicates killed in their place. Oh, that, like... We, like, we so often talk about having a great conceit at the heart of a horror film. This, you, you, you know, Shag, the way you summed it up of the idea that can be a tweet. And I think they're like, in our country, death penalties being killed by the firstborn, you can pay money to have your clone sub in. I think just as a fundamental conceit, you can, you can start with that, with that universe, explain it succinctly. I think that is... Do we do we do we credit um, Brankston Cranenberg? Um, <laughs> Cr- 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 I've, so I've tied myself in knots. Here. Yeah, Jason Cronenberg. This is it. This is um, it. Brandon wrote and directed this film. He wrote and yeah. directed. Well, <laughs> fucking frankly, that's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> um, Mitchell Marsh, who's the son of Jeff Marsh and the little brother of Sean Marsh, each of whom played for Australia, recently played for Australia in the Australian World Cup having benefited from a huge amount of nepotism and he played beautifully and was a huge valuable asset to the team. Strikes me as a real kind of Cronenberg <laughs> example. Here. I also think it's really good, right? Because you have to find new ways to tell your yes. story. And especially when capitalism's the bad guy, how do you tell it in a nuanced way where capitalism and all the sort of global inequalities that brings how do you tell that story? And you make it so rich people travel to an impoverished island where they can essentially do whatever the fuck they want because if they get arrested, they can clone themselves and punish their clone instead. 
I don't want to keep dunking on the platform, right? I'm sure the platform has its admirers and was made by passionate people. And best of luck to them. Oh, I feel bad because um, I had so many people be like, you need to do the platform. It's a perfect film. Yeah, like it's obviously not. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but it is made by well-intentioned people who went in with the best of intention. I'm sure they've got lovely families and they're you know great loyal friends and all that sort of thing. And to me, the platform is your classic, not this. It's your classic like, hey, capitalism's pretty bad. Let's make a movie where that's the metaphor. I feel like this is very much a success at avoiding Shag, the era that you first highlighted to me years ago that I feel like is so tough to avoid of that failure to push past the first idea. And yep. that's like the, like the platform is that failure. Is the idea, bang, we're doing it. Whereas already in Infinity Pool, we're in that sort of second degree of sophistication with the world building where there's not only a compelling narrative to be told, there's an underlying world we're here examining. I'm pretty impressed. James? Maybe, like, it's good that, that, you know, only maybe only people whose parents did the job should be allowed to do the job. <laughs> maybe the royal family's the best. Maybe we should just be, like, ruled by inherited wealth. Maybe nepotism's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe this is the pro-nepotism movie. Yeah, <laughs> All right, okay. <clears throat> so James, who, as we said, doesn't have money himself, but M does, so they have money together, pays the fee to escape execution. However, as part of the deal, he must watch the execution of his clone. And would you enjoy that? Would you be like, oh, whew, lucky? Peach, Shag no, two I would not. No, I would not. What? What? No, I would not enjoy that. I feel so bad. I'd like to meet my clone. I'd like to hang out with my clone. I'd like to ask it all questions about me. Yeah. I think having a clone might help me get over my crippling insecurity. Well, would it be a clone? So, okay, like let's let's do a little bit of nature nurture. Um, would your clone like have a scan of your brain and have the exact same experiences? Yeah. So, so, so you? in this in this film, the clones have your memories. Oh, fuck. so when they when they are killed, they're like, please don't kill me. They don't enjoy being killed. That's a big part of it. <sighs> yeah. Okay, that's really good as well. It's perfect, Oof, right? Okay. And so, first of all, we watch the cloning process and. Why I think the the title Infinity Pool is so clever, I think the double meaning is the clones kind of emerge from this black... Jack, like, with great respect, I think we've got the double meaning. Like, I'm not sure that's too... No, no, no. But, but like, the clones emerge from this physical, like, black pool where, like, mm. the water's opaque. It's like, it's like every time I drink, like, I love Coca-Cola, but every time I drink it, I'm like, I am yep. drinking a black liquid. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, how am I putting this into my body? It's like you can't see through it. Anyway... These bodies essentially emerge from Coca-Cola, right? And they emerge, like, screaming and being like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? Why am I here? Who am I? Like, imagine coming to, like, imagine essentially being born, but with all the memories you have right now. It would be a, yeah, it would be a tough intense. experience, right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine, like, what would be the first things you'd think of? I don't get killed. Would you be like, you'd be born and all of a sudden you'd be like, Oh my God, like Breaking Bad, the 1984 World Cup, that time in year 10 where like I, like, I, I wore the wrong clothes to school and I got paid out mercilessly. All these things, all these thoughts in your brain at the same time. Well, well, but that's interesting, right? Wouldn't I just be like, it's me and how did I get here? I'd just be like, whoa, just a second ago, <laughs> I was walking into the cloning room and here I am coming out of a pool. Actually, yeah, good point. That is probably what would happen, right? You're right. 
I still like my explanation, though, because I think that's pretty fun. Yeah, yours is is better. Yours is definitely (laughs) funner. And mine's the very boring vanilla version. (laughs) That's probably right. But anyway, so we see that. But we also see the death where his clone, uh, and and I put clone in inverted commas, because the whole way through the film, you're always like, hang on, which one's real? And they do a good job of never being like, this is the real one. His clone is tied to a stake in the middle of essentially a barn, they're watching from an amphitheater high above and in comes this small boy with a knife and the mm. James clone is like, no, 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 don't, don't. And starts calling out for M. He's like, M, no, M, no. And this boy goes in and stabs once and then seems to kind of like it and stabs again and again and again. And it's very like Cronenberg. There's real close-ups, lots of insides, lots of entrails, lots of very thick red syrupy blood falling out. Until eventually yeah. he dies. <laughs> now, M, like Shag, is horrified by the entire affair and wants to leave immediately. But James is titillated by the spectacle and doesn't share her urgency. When he gets back to the hotel room, M is like packing her bags and he's like, I can't go because my passport is missing, but you can go and I'll just follow you when I find my passport. James. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So James extends his stay by a week and encounters Gabby and Alban again. They introduce him to a small group of Western tourists who have all been convicted of serious crimes and have paid to watch their doubles killed. These people return to the resort annually, commit heinous crimes, heinous, 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 heinous crimes and pay to watch their doubles get slaughtered. Don't you think like that is a great feel bad club premise for a film? Uh, so it's really like the prestige kind of vibe. Yeah, but you know. And even in the prestige, Hugh Jackman was just chasing greatness. There's, they're just literally like, we can do anything, so we're just going to torture people because we can do anything. Uh, it's, it's that thing where like... Man, I physically feel really bad. This is the first feel bad I've really... Well, well I, think, I, think, I think what this film is saying and why it's so relevant to like what's happening right now is... Unchecked privilege leads to cruelty, whether knowingly or unknowingly, it just does. Like, that's just what happens. But it's like trickle down cruelty. It's like, not trickle down economics never worked. Trickle down cruelty is 100% what happens. Like, that's just how the world works. There's also like the no one's free till we're all free sort of subtext as well of like, don't forget that your oppression also destroys you yeah. in the process. Yeah. Anyway, over the next several days, oh, I feel so bad. They encourage James to transform into a libertine criminal, encouraging encouraging him to kill locals, engage in intoxicated orgies as he uses a local hallucinogen with Gabby. It's unclear how much of the orgy is real and abuse other resort guests. Like there's this one scene where they're all sitting hungover in the in the, you know, the communal buffet breakfast and they're just throwing bits of food at other guests, like kind of schoolyard bullies. Because it's like they're, they're essentially untouchable. And especially in a resort where it's like no one will ever pull you up on your behavior. I mean, obviously that's yeah. not quite true, but you know, in, the, in the bounds of this film, it's true. Yeah, wow. One night, they're like, I, I can't remember what happened. There's, there, there's, there's this element of the guy that's essentially extorting us to pay the fee for the clones is this local police captain and we have to pay him back. And so one night they're like, we're going to go to his house. We're going to kidnap him. We're going to bring him back. 
and we're going to essentially punish him. He's like, cool, I want to be in on it. So they go into this guy's house, they cover his head with a bag, bring him back, and they're like, James, beat the shit out of this guy. So he's like punching and kicking. Oh, yes, yes, hang on, hang on. But but he hasn't seen his yeah, head, right? Yeah, he's punching. And yes, I think at one point yes. he like wheezes on him and they take off the cloak on his head and it's a clone of himself. In a moment of clarity and panic, James realizes that he's really in over his head and so he goes back to his room and retrieves the passport he had hidden yes. in order to stay in Litolka and attempts to flee. However, the tourist group abducts him from the bus, transporting him to the airport. Gabby reveals, this is kind of amazing as well. Gabby reveals that she actually finds him pathetic, that she never read his book, that yes. she was like, you're like, I just, I just prayed on you and you were easy to prey on. And I think there's a really nice... Oh, there's there, yes. not a nice message, but there's an interesting message in here where I'm like, I believe people need to be compensated for their artistic work if mm. they want it to be. So in this case, we choose to put out Spooko for free, mm. but we have every right, I think, if we wanted to, to monetize it because it's content and we, you know that's and that's a whole other conversation. And I like I yeah. and I think if you make music, if you make art, if you make whatever, that art should be compensated. If, like, if that's yeah. what you want, and I think that's right. Yeah. But I think there's an issue with art becoming a job. I think that I, I've always had an issue with that. I feel that I, I, I can't quite pull my finger on it. And you can kind of see the difference. I'm like, I want people to be paid and I think they can make a living off art. But the moment art becomes a job, I mm. think that's a problem. And I think there's, there's an element of here, this here, where he's like, I'm a writer. Like, you know, like, and, it's, and she's kind of like, you're not even a good writer. You're pretending to be a writer, but you're not actually a writer because you're not writing anything. You're just sort of saying you are one. Anyway, so he's been like, he's lost his, he's lost his, he's lost his wife. He has essentially lost the fan he thought he had. He's killed all these people. He's lost his morals. He's, he's lost every, every essence of himself. And so essentially he just runs away where he collapses at a local farm where a family takes him in to recuperate. In his drugged state, he experiences another series of hallucinations, including the boy of the father, the boy of the father that he killed sort of showing up above his bedside. Yes. You know, and there's a moment where you're like, oh, fuck, that's the farm he's gone to. But they're all just hallucinations. Once he's regained his strength, he is again confronted by Gabby's group who order him, like, this is, this is like he's trying to escape. He's like, he's basically in the countryside. They find him at night and they're like, James, we're here to, like, make you one of ours. And to do so, we need you to do one more thing. We need you to kill the dog. And the dog is another clone of James who they've brutalized to the point where he's essentially just an animal on a leash crawling on all fours. Oh my God. And, and, and they throw him a gun and he throws the gun away and he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Like you guys are sick. And they unleash the dog who tries to kill him. So James beats the dog to death. Clearly distraught, Gabby consoles James by <sighs> exposing her bare breast covering it with the warm blood of the dog and inviting him to simulate breastfeeding. Now, my only criticism, and we've talked about this before, is horror films use breastfeeding as this weird, gross thing, and breastfeeding is so fucking normal. Yes. And, you know, when you have kids, yeah. you realize that it's the most natural part of life. And making it yeah. a weird, gross thing, I don't like. Yeah, it is, it is part of a weird, like, toxic masculinity anxiety of, like, well, it's almost back to, like, dick size chat yeah. we had the other week of, like, these weird fucking toxic masculine hang-ups. Yeah. 
like breastfeeding's weird yeah. and it's like uh just fucking relax jan yeah, just chill just chill yeah okay so that happens right the next scene they're heading back to the airport on the sort of hotel bus mm. and all the couples are acting like mm. normal couples like they are nothing like the libertines that we'd seen in previous scenes they're just like, oh, we better talk. We better call oh, the housekeeper. God, oh, blah, blah. Can't wait to see you next year, sort of thing. James is just sitting at the bus. What, like a purge element yeah, of like, like, we've got like it everything. All out of our yeah, we just know. Yeah, exactly. James is just sitting at the bus, mm. feeling visibly traumatized, as the Wikipedia says. Waiting in the airport for his flight, he stays still when they call for his flight. Then we hear them call for the last flight of the night. He stays still. And the final scene we see, he's returned to the resort. Now, they kept saying that the resort closes during the rainy season and they were leaving on the last day. So this resort is now closed. He is sitting outside on one of the sunbeds as a monsoon rolls in and we see him just sit there on this bench as the rain pours, just staring into the distance. And that's the end of Infinity Pool. Very, 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 very good. Shag, like, even though I knew the plot kind of, like, I knew the central conceit coming in, and I, I thought we'd done it for Spooko, that was thrilling. I'm deeply impressed. That's, what was the watching experience like? That's easily one of the better films we've ever done. That's probably top five, top ten that we've ever done. I, I like, it, it's, we've got our top five of the year coming up very soon. And, yeah, look, okay, so, I don't oh, want to, so I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Look, I don't want to spoil it, but... <laughs> If you but like this, this might do pretty well. I think this film might do pretty well. Nepotism's back, baby. <laughs> uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? I always love this. Help YouTube by answering this question. It presupposes I want to help YouTube. <laughs> it's like, champ, like, what the fuck are you doing?